Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the second chapter of Luke in the first chapter of Matthew. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was from the first registration as well, and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for her to be delivered, deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took him as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. Okay, today is not December 24th. COVID fog hasn't warped time that much. But I do hope that as you heard those words from uh, both Luke and Matthew's gospel, that it was, it was surprising to you, that those words might have jarred you. You weren't expecting to hear the birth of a child in Bethlehem this morning. Because sometimes hearing a story out of context, especially when we don't expect it, can bring us some new understandings and insights to guide our ministry. And while today isn't Christmas, it is a special day for us as a church. It's the day where we're greeting students back as we prepare for Sunday school and confirmation. And we're entering into this new time in the church. We know that some families are physically coming back. Some are waiting. Some are still debating as to what they're going to do in terms of their comfort with personal interaction. But it's a weird time, isn't it? It kind of feels like this endless loop of hope followed by disappointment and hope and disappointment. And I mean, this is hopefully our fourth and final wave, and that's the hope that I cling to. 
It's a weird time leading worship too, isn't it? It's certainly strange to know that some of the things that we're seeing and experiencing, uh, for example, like leading a Christmas service to an empty sanctuary, knowing that everyone is at home preparing as we did at Christmas in 2020. So if you're the type who likes to celebrate belated birthdays, today is for you because I'm going to offer you a belated Merry Christmas. No Christmas cookies, no lefsa, and unfortunately for some of you diehard aficionados, there's no lutefisk today either. Sorry. But, I know, some of you are actually applauding that. Yeah, I'm, thank God, no lutefisk. Okay, but sometimes I think it's interesting how we can, can make some decisions and think about what's ahead of us. So back in June, when, when here in our sanctuary, our masks were starting to come off, and we were thinking ahead and hoping that there would be a higher amount of trust that when we did start gathering together here in the fall that we would be safe. But as we look around and see some of the trends that are going on, things are, things are changing again. And so this week I heard the story of a Purple Heart recipient named David Wilkinson. And he served two tours in Afghanistan, but he died in a hospital in Houston this last past week. Not because of COVID, not directly at least. He had gallstones. But he died because they couldn't get a nurse or a doctor to be able to care for him because the hospital was swamped. They're drowning with all of the COVID cases. And so by the time he was actually seen, it was too late. Just a devastating story. And we hear the stories coming out of Afghanistan, too. You know, a world away, we hear these heartbreaking stories of people as the Civil War is now brewing and, and American Marines who are trying to provide safety to those fleeing Afghans were killed by terrorists. And it breaks our heart, too. We've had members of our congregation who've been deployed to Afghanistan. We've prayed for peace. We know that things are complicated in that part of the world, and we wait for what is next. It's a reminder that we live in a world that's full of sin, full of evil, and perhaps it isn't really all that different than how things were when Jesus was born into this world. So I've been craving good news. Haven't you? I mean, haven't we been yearning for some hope that we can tell disappointment to just go take a hike? I was hoping that when we started church this fall that things would feel closer to normal. But nothing's really normal anymore, isn't it? So this is the new normal. But I find hope in that. Because this is a way for us as a congregation how we know that people can decide how and when they want to return to worship. I mean, we've got members of our congregation who are stepping into the sanctuary for the first time today since pre-pandemic. We also know that as the body of Christ, that we have people who are watching from home, people who have not and will not come into the sanctuary because they're spread all over the country. This is a congregation that has members in Wisconsin and Florida, and no matter how we gather, we're gathering together. And that's good news, because I want to thank you, especially those of you who are at home, I want to thank you for joining us, no matter where you are. Because today's news, the the news that we hear in this gospel, it's really, really good news. Because for unto us, a child is born. We are the lucky recipients of a Savior who is born into this world for you and for me. So hallelujah, Emmanuel, God is with us. And the news is so good, I thought it would be great to have Ryan tell it to us twice. Or at least from two different voices. So we heard it from Luke 2 and the other from Matthew 1. Now I want you to, I want you to remember, like... Put yourself in Christmas mode again, right? On Christmas Eve, which one of the stories do we typically hear in church? Luke 2 or Matthew 1? Luke, right? We hear Luke's account of the story. Luke is the one who's got the news of of this uh, baby being delivered. Uh, Now, which of these two stories is where the angel shows up? 
Trick question, and you got it, Ryan. It's both stories, right? The, the angel shows up in Luke, and the angel is talking to Mary and Elizabeth, but in Matthew's gospel, the angel comes and talks to Matthew. It's interesting that these details are a little bit different, and the other two gospels don't even bother telling us about the birth narrative. Luke's story tells us the, you know, it's the story about the, the, the inn being full. It's, you know, we have the away in the manger story. I mean, this is where, like, there's some really uh, just nice, happy details, right? Matthew has the angel visit Joseph, and this is all right beforehand, right? And so uh, Matthew's story really la- gives us some of those layers about what is going on, the dynamics that happen before the birth. And so Matthew has every right. In fact, he should have left Mary, but he doesn't. He stays. And this isn't like the plot of some cheesy rom-com where two star-crossed lovers are going to choose love and they're going to say, we're going to get married. Consider the magnitude then really of this decision for Matthew as he's talking about Joseph. This is a Jewish man in first century Nazareth who doesn't choose love. He's choosing security. He's choosing family. He's choosing honor over shame. That's why he wants to dismiss Mary gracefully. He wants this to be something quiet. And so Joseph, as he hears the news of the angel, makes a monumental decision. And his story is short on the birth details. It's only a half of a verse that's dedicated to the actual day that Jesus is born. She had, a, she had bore a son and he named him Jesus. That's it. No wonder we don't have that story on Christmas Eve. It's not a story about the birth. It's a story about what led up to the birth. It's why we don't read Matthew on Christmas, but his story is actually really helpful in understanding the why. Why do we need a Savior? Why do we need to hear a story like this? And maybe on a day like today, this is why we need to hear a story in the middle of all of the stuff going on in our world. Why do we need a Christ figure who's going to come into this world instead of staying in heaven? I don't know. You just look around And the truth is, we still haven't quite figured out that whole love thy neighbor bit, have we? So Matthew gives us some clues. Matthew in verse 21 says, she will bear a son and he will save his people from their sins. I mean, that's a pretty big detail there. I think I'm a little bit clearer on why Joseph decides to stay by her side. Joseph chooses love, he certainly does, but he doesn't choose love for Mary, he chooses love for his people. Chooses hope that this angel is right and he will stick with Mary through it all. Part of the story of the Savior of the world being born is part of the story about what happens next. Right? What happens after Matthew 1? Matthew 2, right? You turn the page, there's more to the story. Like we keep reading because this story is important. And it's not just, yay, he's born, and then all of a sudden Jesus starts doing stuff. No, in Matthew 2, we hear about some other shady characters. We hear about King Herod and the Magi, the wise men who come and they're, they're like, we want to see this king. And all of a sudden, Herod is looking to do whatever he can to eliminate this baby Jesus. And when Joseph hears about that plot, what does he do with his family? He does whatever he can to pre- protect this baby. They become refugees. They escape to Egypt. They go there until Herod dies. So I had an epiphany this week, which, yes, it is a a pun that's intended for you fellow church nerds. It's the season where the the epiphany happens with the Magi. But I think the reason I had this epiphany is that I assumed that heading to Egypt for Joseph meant that things would be safe. I've always just associated, you know, going to Egypt as like, well, safe passage, safe harbor, that Jesus would be in good hands in this other land as a refugee. But I started thinking about that. And the reality is, do you think it would have been an easy life for him and for his family? Do you think it would have been easy to be a stranger in Egypt in a foreign land? 
especially with the history of the Israelites being enslaved there? I mean, do you think Joseph would have been able to assimilate his family into this new culture? I really doubt it. I mean, do you, do you think they were treated with mistrust or disdain or xenophobia? Yeah, probably. I mean, we don't really know because it's not like the Gospels really give us those details, but I'm going to base my assumption on that because of the way human nature is and how it is playing out today. I mean, we know what this looks like. We know how awful it can be when people have to flee a situation. they got to flee their homeland because they will do whatever it takes to find safety. The images, they come, up, they come from across the globe, don't they? I mean, they come from Africa. They come from Syria. And in the past, we think about how people had to flee Vietnam. And so some of these latest images where people are desperately trying to board airplanes that are literally taking off out of Afghanistan and knowing not all of them have been successful. So today, hear the Christmas story, but hear it out of context. Because when I hear this Christmas story, it helps center my heart on the need for the church right now and the need for us as the church in this country to respond. You see, think about what your routine was this morning. How did you wake up? I woke up inside my house. I read my daily devotion. I had a cup of coffee. I had three cups of coffee. I checked my phone. I hugged my kids. I knew that my kids were safe. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to live where I do and know that I have these freedoms, that I can serve God, family, and country. But what will the church do? Like, how do we think beyond our comfort level? How can we welcome strangers into this country? How can we show our appreciation for the men and women who have served our country, who have served our nation? How can we, how can we honor that by supporting the men and women families who helped our country when we were the strangers in their land? I've been hearing a lot from my friends, a lot of uh, my, my chaplain friends who have served in Afghanistan or who have soldiers who've served in Afghanistan. And in these stories, I've been hearing the stories of sadness and grief and anger, clearly. But I'm also hearing a lot of hope. Hope that this is the time for us to step up and, and do something. Time for us to help those who have helped us. So, Faith Lutheran, the Christmas story comes full circle to us. How are we going to remember that God is with us? How are we going to step up, and maybe it's as a circle of welcome church, and partner with Lutheran Social Services of Minnesota? Maybe we'll partner with Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services to provide some immediate help. Maybe we'll walk alongside a family, or two, or three, or four, or however families are in need, and not just provide money, but actually invest in the relationships and help make meaningful connections with refugees trying to transition to become part of our culture to be able to find a place of safety and home. I don't know. But I'm curious to hear what your answers are. We as a church have a lot of listening to do this fall. We have a lot of discerning, like what's next? Maybe even by Christmas, as we do come and gather and know that the birth of some of these ministries can take some life and that we as a church will be transformed. Maybe that will happen because we have said yes to the call from the one who was born to save his people, and that's us from our sins. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.